Welcome to We On Fire Sports Podcast, providing hot takes and analysis across the sporting landscape. Straight talk, no chaser. We On Fire Sports Podcast. We on Fire Sports Podcast. Man, man, we got a hot one for you. Episode number 27. Man, as the NFL goes into the playoffs this weekend, I'm going to break down the playoff games. I got my NFL correspondent coming through, Steve. going to break down these playoff games in the wild card round of the National Football League. Also, too, we're going to get into another dive into the coaching carousel across the National Football League as we have some teams that's moving on from the coaches. We're going to break down a couple situations across that NFL coaching carousel with the Giants situation, Broncos and Jags, what they got going on. Man, we're also, too, going to take another final look at the College Football National Championship game. The Georgia Bulldogs defeated the Alabama Crimson Tide to take home the national championship. First time since 1980. And I'm going to get into the NBA. As man, we had some teams making a few hustle moves. Brooklyn Nets got Kyrie Irving in the fold, was able to knock off the Bulls. Man, trying to push in the East as that race gets closer to the top for the first and second seed. Going to get into that. So, man, we got another hot one, man. Episode number 27. We on Fire Sports Podcast. We on Fire Sports Podcast. Coming up, I got my NFL correspondent Steve coming through. Providing this breakdown across the National Football League and this whole Black Monday business with coaches catching the guillotine. Man, we gonna get right into it, man. We on Fire Sports Podcast. Stage man, about this whole situation up in New York, man, with Big Blue. We had the firing of Joe Judge as well as the retirement, end quote, of Dave Gettleman up there with the New York Giants, man. What are your thoughts about the Giants, man? Uh, now that's a different subject, man, and then uh, <laughs> compared, compared to some of the other teams, I mean, you don't have a quarterback. Um, the offensive line is in horrible shape. Defense is suspect. Uh, now you're shopping for a new, co- um, a new head coach and a new GM. Um, so, from top to bottom, the organization seems like they're in disarray. So, you know, it's going to be a rebuild. It's going to be pretty, pretty intense rebuild. Uh, you know, the the hope is that, you know, you got some draft picks, you're able to do some things, but until you get a quarterback or at least you can pinpoint your quarterback of the future, they'll be right back to picking, you know, in the top five next year. I mean, the good news is that they got some, they got two first round picks this year. Um, and so they're able to probably make get some impact players. Both of those picks will be in the top 15. So they'll, they'll be able to get some players that are going to do some things for them. But at the end of the day, yeah, there's a lot of holes to fill on that roster. 
but it starts really at the quarterback position. Yeah, I think to me, if you look across the league, I mean, I think this is probably the most less desirable job in the National Football League. Now, some would say that situation down in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville don't play in the biggest media market in the country. You know, so and they got a quarterback. They got a young quarterback of the future. Exactly. At least, yeah. At least they have a quarterback that has proven that you know he, has, you know, has an arm, and you know he obviously was the first pick of the, in the draft this, this year. So mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah, that New York job may be the worst worst job in the National Football League currently. Like well, I mentioned. I mean, they to me. I mean, they, I mean, the Daniel Jones situation, I mean, they, they tried that situation, man. I think it's a wrap. I think it's time to move on to a different situation. And as you mentioned, they got two first-round picks, you know, one courtesy of the Bears of that uh, trade with, uh, you know, moving up to acquire Justin Fields. So, yeah, the Giants, I believe they got the fifth and as well as the seventh pick in the draft. So, they have some capital to make some moves, but... Yeah, I think this is uh, definitely a situation where they might be the least desirable job. I mean, you know, you had the firing also, too, of uh, Vic Vangio out in Denver. But at least with Denver, they have a young defense that they can kind of put their calling card on. And they're still trying to work out the quarterback situation out there. But Well, they got the offense, too. Close to Giants. Yeah, if they, got, if they could land Aaron Rodgers, you know, that was the talk before the start of the season that they were going to – Pursue Aaron Rodgers. If they could land a quarterback like that, obviously they're instant Super Bowl contender um, based on the roster that they have. But I'll say this much about the Giants, though. Um, you know, it's not that bad of a job because it's New York. And if you can turn it around, there's not going to be much expectation in the first year or so because the roster is so depleted. But if you can get a general manager who knows what he's doing, which is a big if, and you can kind of turn that around. Um, you'll 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 be forever in, admired by by the town. You'll you'll have that kind of Parcells uh, accolade. And so you know, I think it's you know it, it's intriguing for a lot of head coaches to be able to come in and kind of do that. But obviously, you 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 really need a good GM. And I think it starts with the GM. Uh, Gettleman wasn't in. Uh, I didn't think he really did a great job when he was in Carolina to begin with, but um, I think getting a good GM to come in and get some talent um, and then eventually a quarterback, uh, I, I think it, that's 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 the starting point. I like Bill O'Brien for that, program, but I think Bill O'Brien will be a good fit. I think when he was in Houston, he got them to the playoffs with no quarterback. Uh, you know, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they won – a playoff game with no quarterback. That was that year they beat David Carr uh, and the Raiders. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think who started that game. I think they started like four different starting quarterbacks. Right. The playoffs. I'm trying to remember the chap that actually started in that playoff. Was it Ryan Mallett? It might have been Ryan Mallett that, that was in there. But um, if it wasn't Mallett, it... You won a playoff game with Ryan Mallett, who had tremendous talent. I mean, his talent was... I mean, the guy got arm talent. You win a playoff game with Ryan Mallett. That lets you know. Yeah, and I thought I thought he really did a good job. He took him to the playoffs with really not that great of a roster, but um, but you know he's a good coach. I think you know one of the few Belichick disciples who actually got to the playoffs. Um, I think from the offensive side of the ball, he'll be a good fit and kind of has that New York no nonsense mentality. So uh, you know the city will probably appreciate him a little bit. 
So I, I think that's not a bad move. I think, to be honest, I think they're probably in better shape than the Jets are. And the Jets drafted a quarterback with the second overall pick last year. Yeah, I would agree, just based on the fact that the Jets have hope in Zach Wilson. I think that in the situation with Daniel Jones, I think that they, they know that writing's on the wall, basically. Like, hey, this is not really the guy. Right. The Jets still have that hope in Zach Wilson. I'm not sure if it's good hope, you know, false hope, but they still have hope. But, yeah, I think that between both of the rosters, man, I don't know. That's probably a coin flip. But yeah, I would I would lean towards me, you know, I would lean towards what you just said, man. Because both of those teams are definitely rebuilding situations. Man, man, I'm praying for New York, man. We definitely gotta get that football situation up there on track, man. But We on Fire Sports Podcast. Man, man, the NBA, we're almost about four weeks from the trade deadline. There's a lot of speculation out there on certain teams trying to make moves as we've gotten through halfway point of the NBA season. And we've had our first significant trade of the season as Atlanta Hawks trade Cam Reddish to the New York Knicks. Also two Solomon Hills going from the Hawks to the Knicks. For Kevin Knox, also to the Knicks threw in to the Hawks, a first-round pick via the Charlotte Hornets. And, man, I knew this trade was coming. I didn't know where Cam Reddish was going to, but I knew Cam Reddish was going to be traded. Hawks have a bevy of wing players that they've already paid big money to, so I knew they were going to move on from Cam. I don't think it has anything to do with the talent. I think Cam was coming on pretty strong, man. He had a productive last month. Uh, so far for the Atlanta Hawks. Hadn't done too much in the win column for them as this team is sinking. And we had the GM of the Atlanta Hawks, Travis Selnick, come on radio, man, down in Atlanta, man. I had my ears close to the streets in this one. And Travis sounded very frustrated. You know, he kind of questioned bringing uh, the same team back for the Atlanta Hawks as they made a run to the Eastern Conference Finals last season. And they spent a lot of big money, man, resigning different guys back to the team. Uh, they broke bread. You know, John Collins, the new 100 plus, 100, I think $120 million man. You know, you made some other moves. You pretty much brought back the whole team. And so I didn't see Cam in the picture moving forward for the Hawks. But I think the Hawks, man, I think this has been a very disappointing season. You know, they're in the situation now based on their pushing the playoffs where they're the 100. When you're the 100 in the NBA, man, and, you know, you have a team that, you know, went above expectations last season, you know, this is the breaks right now for them. So I think this team is going to try to make a couple other little side hustle moves, man, before the trade deadline, I believe. Maybe to try to salvage this team to get into at least the play-in or the playoffs because I think that's pretty much where they're headed if they get in the playoffs. Um, so Trey Young, you know, is a tremendous player, tremendous offensive player, but this team needs some defense, man. And that was their calling card last season when they made their playoff push. They was able to get stops and get timely baskets, man. And just don't see that happening this season. So we'll definitely see on the front for the Atlanta Hawks and see what's going on. The Knicks, I think they got a, a, a little come up 
Uh, they got a, a guy that's able to score for them. So I think Cam Reddish, think he'd be in a better situation just for his career-wise for the New York Knicks. Man, we had, man, the big matchup between the Chicago Bulls and the Brooklyn Nets. As the Nets came into Chicago, man, both these teams are currently 1-2 and two in the seed in the East. Brooklyn was able to knock off my Chicago Bulls, my hometown team, in my neighborhood, by the way. Man, and this thing got ugly, especially midway through the third quarter. The Nets, man, playing good basketball, man. Uh, playing real good basketball. They definitely came out the hoop. You know, Kyrie Irving, I think, even though he didn't have the best statistical game, he gave them a push. And, man, Brooklyn, man, looked pretty good, man. I got to give them their pub when it's due. But we'll see with this team moving forward, man. I think this team, man, it's all about, for them, some of the role guys stepping up a little bit more. You know, Patty Mills, Mills has been tremendous for them. But I don't know about the Kyrie Irving experiment. You know, we're going to see how this thing goes. You know, with COVID, man, it's, it's week to week in the NBA. So you don't know whether or not, you know, this guy's going to be available for him, even in the role game situations for him. So we'll see, man. Also, too, man, I want to send a shout-out, man, to the Memphis Grizzlies. Because they're making power moves out here, man. John Moran and company. Shout-out to Bain, man. He's playing good basketball for them right now. Jeremy Jackson. And Taylor Jenkins, man, he got him a good ball club, man. His team has built him a culture. You know, they've had some big wins over the last week or so. You know, Golden State, they knocked off the Lakers. So this team is making the push, man. So, you know, I like what I see from Memphis right now. I'm not sure, you know, how long they can sustain this, but they're definitely a team that's, you know, that's a contender out here, man. They trying to get their weight up out here, man. And they showing improve. We'll see how that injury with uh, Dylan Brooks comes through for them because, you know, he's big-time offensive weapon for them, but he's been uh, injured. Looks like he's going to be out for a couple weeks. And finally, speaking of injuries, man, we got Damian Lillard, man. Got an abdominal injury. Appears he's going to be out four to six weeks for the Portland Trailblazers. Man, the situation in Portland getting ugly, man. Man, I know Chauncey Billups is going through it right now as his first season as head coach. I don't see this team going anywhere, man. I just don't think without Dame for four to six weeks, man, they're able to sustain in the Western Conference. Don't see this team making the playoffs. I predict there's going to be some major changes in uh, Portland during the offseason. Man, hopefully Dame can get back on the court, man. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. You know, hope, you know, got a lot of love for, for Dame time, man. You know, this guy's a competitor. So we'll see if he's able to get back on the court, man. But not looking good for Portland right now, man. So that's my look across the NBA. We on Five Sports Podcast. Going to definitely get into it a little bit more. Definitely going to be hearing a lot from my NBA correspondents. We're going to have to have Shaw come through again to break down the NBA and his thoughts also, too. But once again, man, I appreciate it, man. Once again, we on Fire Sports Podcast. Coming up. My conversation with Steve and take a look at the NFL wild card playoff round. We on Fire Sports Podcast.
Mm-hmm. And so, I just wanted to get your thoughts, man, on the games, man. You know, everything's kicking off, man. We got the Vegas Raiders man, traveling to Cincinnati in the first matchup on Saturday, man. What's your thoughts about that particular matchup, man? I like Cincinnati. Um, the Raiders kind of like, you know, you it's almost like we we got where we wanted to get to prove that we could get and it took everything we have in us to get there and i think at the end of the day um cincinnati um has just too much going on they're going to go the raiders are going to go up into the cold in, in the midwest and uh might even be snowing down there i don't think uh, the raiders are going to get too far into these playoffs but uh, I like Cincinnati to win that game. Uh, you know, it's kind of the same thing with, with, with Pittsburgh. It's just, you made it. Nobody expected you to make it. Really nice. But now it's just like, all right, the real playoff start. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's, it's almost time for you to like, you know, you, you did well enough. And, and you gave that little engine that could uh, mentality to, to its fullest. And then now it's time for, for you to probably settle back and, um, and, and, and get the form basically yeah I mean they've had the, probably the most wildest season of any team in the National Football League from the Gruden situation Brother oh. had another trap catch a DUI you know so yeah the Raiders the Raiders then it took you to go into overtime to get into the playoffs man in the matchup with the Chargers last week yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of with you on this one. I think that if this game was in Las Vegas, then I maybe would give the Raiders a, a, a closer chance. Mm-hmm. But I, simply because this game is in Cincinnati, we got uh, Joe Burrow who hotter than a firecracker right now. Him and Jamar Chase, and yeah, I just think that they because this game is played in Cincinnati, man. I got the Bengals moving on in this one. I do too, uh, and I think they're probably. I, I got them going to the AFC Championship. Um, don't see him going to the Super Bowl. AFC Championship is uh, well in the reach. Man, then we got the, the other game on Saturday, man. We got the New England Pats traveling up to Orchard Park to play the Buffalo Bills. What's your thoughts on that one, man? Mm, it's going to snow. Uh, it might snow. It's going to be some really bad weather up there. Uh, <laughs> I I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to pull the same stunt. The that they pulled uh, last time the Patriots went up to Orchard Park. And that's run and pound the football as much as possible. Get Keep Josh Josh Allen off the field. Uh, you know the Bills can't really run that ball very well. Um, and then make Josh Allen throw the ball. And if he can throw it and complete some passes, they got a good shot to win. But, you know, I, I think the Patriots' game plan is going to be eerily similar to what they had last time. And I think uh, being able to run the ball is going to be big big difference and you know that's one of the things that the Bills struggle with so playoffs it's all about defense and being able to run the ball when you need to run the ball yeah man I mean the last time they played I mean yeah that was straight up the former I think the thing about Buffalo to me and you know I put it on wax earlier on this podcast at the Buffalo Bills going to the Super Bowl. That was my prediction at the beginning of the season. They faltered a little bit. But one thing I will say, though, and their, their running game was definitely questionable. You got some good work out of Devin uh, Singletary towards the end of the season. I thought he came in and, and did pretty formidable for them. Um, as you mentioned, this game's going to be uh, probably a snowball game. Man, I, you know, this is a divisional game. Man, to me, this is, to be honest with you, this is a pickle. But 
I'm gonna lean towards Buffalo just simply based on the fact the game is played in Orchard Park. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if New England went up there and held their business. But yeah, I think this is gonna be a, a close possession type of football game, man. Yeah, I, I think Buffalo too. I'll lean towards Buffalo with you. I mean, I also had them getting into the Super Bowl this year. But you know, the thing is, you can't have Mac Jones just throwing what six passes or ten passes, or whatever he did last game. Okay. You you're gonna need him to make some throws, and I don't know if he can. And I know Josh Allen can. So um, I think I'll I'll probably take this is basically Josh Allen versus Bill Belichick, and that, you know, and that's gonna give him an opportunity to stay in the game but because it is Bill Belichick but I think Josh Allen's a really good quarterback and so I think ultimately that's going to make the difference here yeah I think that uh, yeah I think it's to me the quarterback I just have more faith in uh, Josh Allen than Mac Jones I think Mac Jones is you know, he's been a come up for New England this season, but just the playoffs, man. I think, as you mentioned, I think he's gonna have to throw the ball, ball more than six times, man, in this game. And, and I definitely uh, have uh, I have Buffalo in a pick'em type situation, man, uh, a possession type of game. Oh, yeah. He has the less turnovers in this football game, man. Kind of comes out victorious. Um, so I got Buffalo moving on as well. You know, we got the Saturday, I'm sorry, the Sunday matchup. We got the Eagles, man, traveling down to Tampa Bay, man, to take on the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. What's your thoughts on that on that clip? I think Tampa Bay wins this one pretty easily. But, you know, for Philadelphia, the key for them is going to be able to run the ball and to make sure they limit the turnovers because I think it's going to, you know, Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. You know, but, you know, he's kind of suspect when it comes to accuracy. Uh, there's some throws that he makes that, you know, you kind of scratch your head sometimes. But I think if they get by the big mistakes, they'll stay in it. But I think Tampa Bay just has too much going on. And I think Tampa Bay should win this one for the years. Yeah, I agree with you on Hurts. I think that Hurts, I mean, he, may, he can make some plays for you. But, I mean, if you want him to drop back and throw the ball 30 times, man, with some touch and accuracy, hey, I just don't see that happening. I think Tampa, you know, we had the whole Antonio Brown situation. They got injuries on the offensive end. Some of their linebackers nicked up a little bit. But I think they handled their business against Philadelphia. I think that if it was a different team coming Tampa, maybe, just on the matchup end, I'd be a little bit more concerned. But I definitely do think that uh, Tampa will be able to uh, handle their business at home and get uh, at least to the divisional round, man. I definitely have Tampa uh, handling their business in, in that one. classic matchups in the NFL, but this one's in the wild card round, man. We got the San Francisco 49ers traveling out to Dallas to take on the Dallas Cowboys. What's your thoughts on that one, man? Big game. Uh, you know, I, I have to see the Cowboys do it in a big game before I'm going to just pick the Cowboys. <laughs> I, I, I just think that, especially this year, I I, I just think they, they're too inconsistent and they struggle to run the ball. If they could run the football against a tough defense like this, tough defensive line, it's going to be a challenge. You know, but if they can run the ball, that's going to give them an advantage. But 
if if it's just strictly to rely on Dak to just air it out, even though they got the weapons, I just don't see them being able to do that in this game. For San Francisco, this is going to be Jimmy T. Is he healthy enough to make future throws when you got to make those throws? But I think they'll be able to run the ball, and that's going to help them. Uh, and they got some trickery and some playmaking uh, guys back there. So I think they'll, they'll be able to keep this game close, just strictly off, off the running game and defense. And when it comes down to a crucial point, can Dak, you know, lead the way? And for me, that kind of remains to be seen. Usually it's he's either killing it and he's shooting down and he's, and he's got the ball going all over the place, spreading it out to multiple guys, hitting big plays, or they're struggling bad there's not really that in between this year and i think uh san francisco probably has a defense to keep them closer to the ladder than uh than than, than to allow them to air it out and shoot out so i i actually got san francisco yeah to me this is to me it's probably one of the toughest games to, to, to predict this weekend uh-huh. one back to san francisco man i had put them i had put this ball club in the grave I thought they was done. And man, I mean, they just, just stand alive like the DGs out here, man. Shout out to Cal Shanahan and company, man. And to me, I think this matchup, I, I think it all boils down to Garoppolo. I think if, 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 if Garoppolo can protect the football, because mm-hmm. San Francisco, they can run the football. I mean, that's without question. But to me, it's all about Garoppolo. Can he control the football game and not turn the ball over, not allow a guy like Michael Parsons just to go ham, you know, fumble type of deal. Because Garoppolo's known for that, man. I'm just going to kick it straight. And so to me, you know, I'm with you too on Dallas. I think they've been just, I mean, they've just been beating up on bums, as as they said in Rockies, man. I just think that their wins, in my opinion, they're not quality wins this season. I think this team is a front-running football team. You know, I don't want Dallas fans to come after me, man, but I'm just kicking it it straight. I think they're in the worst division in the National Football League, and I think that San Francisco right now, every game for them really has been a playoff game the last four weeks. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, based on that, yeah, this is my, what you consider, an upset special. I got Frisco moving on, man, getting rid of Dallas in in the wild card round at home. So, I'm with you on that one, brother. Yeah, definitely. Then we got, and this may be the great Ben Roethlisberger last football game in the National Football League. We got the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling out to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. Man, what you think about that one, man? Uh, there is no thought on this one. I mean, I think <laughs> it's a last hurrah for real. And uh, you, if they could run the ball, you would you, you could say they could stay in it. They, they keep Mahomes off the field, but they're not really good on the offensive line, so they're going to struggle to run the football. The only thing I'd say they have going for them is the Chiefs defense. You never really know what you're going to get. Um, late in the year, they kind of did some really good things, and, and uh, Spags defense kind of gets better with at, at the end of the year. But then, you know, you saw some of the, the final three weeks, they kind of let off a little bit. And, you know, they struggled. Uh, a lot of that was injuries on the, on the D-line. But, you know, I, I think there's just too much firepower there. They're going to do their best to the Steelers to really keep in this game. But I think the second half, Pat Mahomes uh, goes off and runs away with it. This ends up being the big thing. final game. Yeah, I think Kansas City, man, right now, man, they're playing their best football of the season. I mean, they're one of the hottest teams in the National Football League over the last eight weeks. 
Um, Pittsburgh, man, as you mentioned, I mean, if they're able to run the ball and control the clock a little bit, yeah, they maybe have a puncher's chance, but that's all I would give them in this situation. I definitely got Kansas City moving on. You know, shout out to Ben Roethlisberger. I do believe this will be his last football game. Uh, National Football League, man. He's been been a great quarterback. I think he gets into Canton, obviously. But I think that Pittsburgh, yeah, they uh, come out of Kansas City with a victory in that one. Yeah. Then we got this, what I call the weird game of the week, man. We got a Monday football playoff game. Monday night football, man. We got the Arizona Cardinals, man, traveling out to L.A. to play the Rams. And Arizona, they're the epitome of backing into the playoffs. They travel and later play the Rams. What's your thoughts in, the, in that in that one, man? Uh, you know, you just can't picture the Rams losing this game. But man, uh, that game last week against San Francisco, it's just one of those things. With, which Matt Stafford's going to show up? Uh, you know, they got to run the ball. Um, Acres is back. He's in there. You got Sony Michelle, so you have some you have some shifty uh, backs back there. They got to run the ball. I mean, their offense is so much predicated on play action. Um, if you're not able to really sell the play action, you which is what they haven't been able to do. Um, now it doesn't work. So teams aren't biting. You're not getting you know those eight man fronts because the running game isn't there, and you're not able to play action off of it. Uh, you'll still you know, and I think that's probably why Matt Stafford was kind of forcing the ball towards the end of the year and, and struggled against some 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 really good defenses. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, this is like if this doesn't work, you have to you have to say to yourself, give two first round picks for Matt Stafford, give another one for Taylor uh, Ramsey. Uh, you know, we basically mortgage our future to win now and we're out in the first round. It's kind of hard to to imagine, so I'm gonna just go with the Rams. It's off sheer need to win this game, uh, but make no mistake, Arizona's a, a, a formidable opponent, and I think they're gonna give them a run offensively for sure. Um, I, I see a higher scoring game, but I think uh, the Rams kind of prevail in this one. Yeah, man, I don't know who's more ner- who's gonna be more nervous in that Monday night game. Less need of uh, Matt Stafford. <laughs> My vote probably be Les Need, the GM of the uh, Los Angeles Rams, because they put all the chips in with this roster. I mean, I mean, you look at their roster; they probably got the best roster in the National Football League, you look top to bottom. You know, that was, that talent is un- unquestioning when you just look at it on paper. But man, they caught Arizona at a time where man, they obviously hit the kids. They backed into the playoffs. They're a wounded animal, man. <laughs> They're definitely dangerous. You know. I'm, uh, to me, I think that in this one, I'm gonna go with the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals because I think no, there's no pressure on this football team. You know, you may see a DeAndre Hopkins in this game. You know, so I think that with Arizona, you know, to me, it's a divisional matchup. You know, they, you know, short trap. You know, the Rams to me are a better team, but I just think that me this is going to be all about as you mentioned Matt Stafford are you able to make enough plays and the Rams are they able to stop Kyler Murray and company you know Kyler's kind of been you know nicked up a little bit not playing the best football uh these last couple of weeks but I just got a feeling about this one man so we'll definitely see how that uh how that uh, game unfolds man definitely so, so man 
wanted to get your thoughts, man, on the national championship game, man. The Alabama Crimson Tide versus the Georgia Bulldogs. And the Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship. As they say, man, up and down in Georgia, go dogs. <laughs> man, what was your thoughts on the, on, on the national championship uh, game between Alabama and Georgia? Georgia's defense is really good. Um, and you have a young tight offense. You, you got a, 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 a wretched uh, freshman quarterback. Very good, by the way. Uh, you got freshman wide receivers after um, after they lost their big play guy. They, they, they had nothing but freshman backups. You have a young tight end who struggled to drop the couple of balls. But at the end of the day, they were still driving the football. They just set, were settling for field goals. And when you set up for field goals against a really good defense and pretty good offense, eventually that team is gonna uh, is gonna hit a big play, and that and that's what happened. You know, they kept settling for field goals, kept them in it, kept them close, and then eventually, you know, it, since it was close late in the game, they made a big play. Georgia made a big play. Uh, they were able to run the ball consistently throughout the game, which is something you don't expect against an Alabama Nick Saban defense. But then again, they were young. They were young on the outsides. They were young in the linebacking core. They were young uh, at the quarterback position. They were young at the receiver position. Uh, they didn't have that big play running back that they usually have. Uh, good running back, but you know, wasn't wasn't dynamic enough uh, like you've seen in the past. And they didn't. They, they weren't rotating multiple running backs in the past. Alabama usually has about two or three guys on their, uh, in, in the running back pool that they could just shuffle in there that are making big plays. You didn't see that here. And then you saw the quarterback under duress the whole game. And so, you know, all that combined, pretty much a recipe for a loss, but they still made it close enough. Uh, you know, give take away that that last, you know, that late pick six. It was a, it was a close ball game. It was one a one-score game. So um, they'll be back in it. You know, it's Nick Saban, it's Alabama. But Georgia's really good. They're really good on the defensive side, and they can run the ball. And that's the recipe to win. In, in, in football in general, it's the NFL or college. If you can play really good defense, especially with your front seven, get pressure on the quarterback, and you could run the ball, you'll be in the game, and you just need your quarterback to make a couple of big throws, and, and there you go. And you got the lead, and you might actually be able to win the championship, and that's what Georgia was able to do. Yeah, I think this was a battle of, to me, the defense. Georgia obviously had the better defense all season long. They've been able to prove it until they got DDT'd in the uh, SEC championship game. But I think the back end of the defense, and to me, the secondary, to me, this was a this was a game of the secondaries. And I thought Georgia, especially in the second half, they were able to make plays out in space. I'm talking about the, the secondary. You know, bad situation. Now, obviously, you had Williams go out with the injury. I think that played a part in it as well. But those guys was making one-on-one -on -one plays without pass interference. I mean, if you watch Alabama all season long, that was their MO. Meaning that either the young guys back there either got beat or they was pi all day long. And I think to me that was the difference in this football game. I thought, as you mentioned, they kept it close. They kept it a, a, a field goal type type of game. And I thought, Jordan, that's the recipe to beat Alabama. I mean, think about the teams that beat Alabama. Whether it's been Texas A&M whether it's been Auburn with Cam Newton. Like, it's always been the same formula. Keep the game close, and in the fourth quarter, 
you got to take some shots downfield because you know you've been you know hopefully you've been running the ball and that opens up the offense and I thought to me it was the same recipe uh, in the national championship game and uh, yeah as you mentioned Big Bad Saban will be back you know, he, ain't, he ain't going he ain't going nowhere they got a young ball club man I'm, I'm sad that Williams is, you know word on the street he got the ACL um, I think he's going to declare for the NFL draft. What was your thoughts, man, about about that that injury situation with him? Uh, crucial. I mean, yeah, they had guys. They basically had a freshman wide receiver and a, a couple of freshman wide receivers and a sophomore. Um, and then their tight end was a young guy too. I think he was a two-year so, uh, freshman. But you know, they had opportunities to make plays. They got behind some of these Georgia DBs. They just weren't able to make the play. Right. Um, you know, even when uh, Latou broke out uh, and he caught that pass, you know, Georgia's linebackers caught him down, brought him down to the five, and they weren't able to score from there. They got a field goal out of it. You know, and that was the thing. Georgia really had more of a bend but don't break philosophy uh, where they gave up some big plays, but not touchdown big plays. They gave up big plays between the 20s. And as long as you kept them out of the end zone and they weren't able to score touchdowns, I mean, Alabama didn't score touchdowns until fourth quarter. You had a really good shot, and and that's what they did. Uh, shout out to you know their, their their Kirby Smart, good good philosophy, play deep, and then try to get as much pressure as you can, especially with blitzes uh, and, and with your front seven. And they did that. They didn't. They 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 got Oster the quarterback. Uh, the whole game um and you know they didn't let up and that was crucial uh first matchup they they weren't able to do that uh so you know being able to get pressure and make it make those stops on third down or third and goals that that was the game yeah man and you believe man it has been 40 years man since george has won a national championship Walker, 1980 yeah yeah man i mean it was cool to see vince dooley at the game you know definitely i mean he is georgia football it was real cool that you know he's definitely around man to soak this all in and obviously kirby smart you know uh played in the secondary at georgia in the 90s i remember kirby when he played at georgia oh, yeah. it's always cool when you see an alumnus you know definitely go back and win the national championship for his uh you know for his university man it's always a cool day so we'll see man as, as i mentioned man big bad saving he they ain't going nowhere alabama definitely be back uh we'll see if you know george is able to get you know obviously they got an older a, a older ball club so we'll mm-hmm. see for the kind of transition man and try to defend the national championship uh next season man so Man, we definitely appreciate, man, the fall through, man, the check-in on the fall through, man. We on Five Sports Podcast. We definitely got to connect, gang, man, once these, uh, once this wild card weekend is concluded, man. Man, man, we definitely appreciate, appreciate the, uh, the fall through, brother. Man, man, once again, episode number 27. I want to thank everybody for listening. I appreciate the support and feedback, man. As we had another hot one in this one, man. First and foremost, I want to thank my guest, Steve, NFL correspondent, for coming through. As we broke down the NFL wildcard rounds, the NFL playoffs kick off this weekend. We took another final look at the college football national championship game. Shout out to the Georgia Bulldogs once again, national champions. 
Man, I took a look across the NBA as Brooklyn Nets that look like they're trying to surge a little bit as the race in the Eastern Conference gets a little tighter. And also, too, broke down trade in the NBA. We get close to the trade deadline with the Atlanta Hawks trading Cam Reddish to the New York Knicks with Kevin Knox. So, man, once again, I appreciate everybody for listening. Appreciate the feedback. Don't forget to get at us on Twitter at We On Fire Sports. We On Fire Sports Podcast.